1: share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world will always want to cover your mouth. They always want to strike you where you speak. And that's serious. Because many of who are not strong in the Lord are intimidated by that, but we need people who are like Paul who will stand for the Lord and boldly share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a world that wants to cover our mouths, but you're in good company. If the world wants to shut you up.
0: In Acts chapter 22, Paul appeared before the Sanhedrin and boldly declared the gospel message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul spoke knowing that his boldness could cost him even his very life. In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches us that whenever we dare to tell others about Jesus, there will be those who will try to shut our mouths. However, we should pray, as Paul surely did, for the strength and boldness so that sinners would hear and be saved. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the race. I want to run, I want to run, I want to run right to your
2: heart. I want to run, I want to run, wanna run I'm running the race.
1: Well, we ended chapter 22 last week where the Apostle Paul was sharing his testimony and as he was sharing his testimony, he shared how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And he gave his life to the Lord, asked the Lord, what should he do? And he said that the Lord send him to go and to, uh, to depart. For He said, I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And once Paul mentioned that he was ministering to the Gentiles, there was an uproar once again. Paul is probably, you know, thinking back of all the, uh, the words that he'd heard from the disciples and everyone else saying, hey, listen, when you get to Jerusalem, it's not going to be easy. And so there was an uproar there in Jerusalem. And as he finished changing his testimony, uh, once again, the commander brought him in, saving him from the first time from the first riot. Um, the commander brought him in and uh, he's sharing his testimony there at the footsteps of the Antonia Fortress. And uh, once he, again, shares about the Gentiles, they, there's an uproar. And it said, the next day, um, uh, I'm sorry, verse 23 and 24, and then as they cried out and they tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks. He brings him in once again, and now he brings him to the, to the Sanhedrin council. Once to know, what is it about this guy that they want to kill him? They almost killed him when he was in the temple. Now there's an uproar. They wanna they want us to kill him after he finished sharing his testimony. So in verse thirty of chapter twenty it says, The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bond and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear, and brought Paul down and set him before them. And so now Paul is now going to the Sanhedrin council. The Sanhedrin council were were the most powerful religious man over all of Israel. And they were the ones who governed over the Jewish body in Jerusalem. They governed over all the religious matter. This group consists of 70 men. 70 men uh, divided into two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And though they were together as one council... Uh, They uh, held many uh, opposing viewpoints. Now, this will be the the fifth time that the defense of Christ will be made before the Sanhedrin Council. Fifth time. Remember, Stephen went before the council. Remember, Peter went before the council several times. Jesus himself, even before Stephen and Peter. And now we have the apostle Paul standing before the council. And let's look at chapter 23, verse 1. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God, strike you, you whitewash wall. For you sit to judge me according to the law. And do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? The first thing that happens, Paul is now looking at them earnestly. And that is to look at them uh, with a look of conscious integrity, unfaltering courage. He's looking at them. Now keep in mind that Paul, as he's looking at these at the, at the council, at these men who are sitting, who are st- sitting before him, And Paul himself was was one of them. Paul was a Pharisee. And Paul knew exactly what's going on. Paul was in their place once before. Paul was one of them. He even consented to the stoning death of Stephen. Paul knew all too well the rules and the law, and he knew how the system works. And so here is Paul standing, and he's not afraid. And knowing why he's there, he's not backing down regarding the gospel of Christ, and he's more than ready to have an opportunity to share with them Jesus Christ, the Mashiach. I believe that's his goal. He's probably standing for him and saying, well, now they're judging me. This is a great opportunity now. I had an audience. There there was a riot. Now I have the, the Sanhedrin Council before me. What an opportunity. But as he's looking at them earnestly, Paul begins to speak first. He said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And Ananias, the high priest, ordered that the men who stood by him to strike him in the mouth. Now, just a little background about Ananias, the high priest. Ananias was a very, very corrupt high priest who ruled around A.D. 47 to A.D. 58. The first century Jewish historian Josephus tells us that he was quick tempered. He writes that Ananias was a glutton, a tyrant, a bigot, a murderer. He even defrauded provisions from the high priest for the other priests of their tithe. He sent pay servants to go to the threshing floors to steal the corn off the floor. And if anyone resisted, he would have them beat to death. That's how wicked this high priest is. Kind of sound like some of them today, right? They're not priests, but they're in in the church today. And so he commanded those who stood by to strike him. Now, why would Ananias command Paul to be struck in the mouth? What got him so angry? Could it be because Paul spoke to them before he was spoken to? Could it be the fact that he called them brethren? He said, fellow brethren? In other words, identify himself with the Sanhedrin council, when in reality, he's, you know, he's no longer considered a Pharisee to them. In reality, Paul is to call them and approach them by calling them father or fathers. That's why when he gave his testimony in chapter 22, he says, brethren, fathers. But he was supposed to address them as fathers. But you know, I'm pretty sure maybe something clicked in his head reminding him of what Jesus said. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 9, he says, do not call anyone on earth your father. For one is your father, he who is in heaven. And that includes Catholic priests. Call no one father. Jesus said this. It's in red in your Bibles. And I have no understanding as to why They still practice that. Now, that's not to say that your earthly biological father, one that raised you, you can't call that person father. But to say someone outside of that that really has no relation to you as a father, to call them a father, giving them that title. Jesus says, call no one on earth your father, but the father is in heaven. Could it be that he called them brethren and not called them father? Or, Could it be because Paul was once a Pharisee and now he's of the way? He's no longer a Pharisee, now he's of the way with Christians and that comes to mind, okay, he's a Christian now of the way and there are Gentiles in that group. Could it be because now he is fellowshipping and have a relationship now with Gentiles? I believe that all of the above were some of the reasons. However, I think the main reason that he struck, Paul in the mouth was because Paul claimed to have a good conscience before God until this day. And that's just what what Paul is saying to them is that though I am now of the way, though that I'm a Christian, hanging out with Gentiles, I am still a good Jew. I am still a good Jew. Having served God with a good conscience all of my life is what he's saying. As a Jew and as a Christian. And so he is saying, I lived in good conscience until this day. And to Paul's defense, Paul did have a zeal for God. We know Paul before he was called Paul, before he was called Saul of Tarsus, Saul, he had a zeal for God that he even persecuted the church. And we can see this a man with zeal, love God. But we can see the danger of that zeal. Remember, zeal is okay, but it's dangerous. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. You see, he had a zeal for God, but he didn't know the whole truth. He didn't know about Jesus Christ. And so here, Paul makes this claim. He even mentions this, uh, his zeal for the Lord, in some of his letters. Philippians, one of them, Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, he writes, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, A Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. No one had a resume like Paul. As a Pharisee, now even as a Christian, in good conscience unto this day. And so Paul was struck in the mouth. And can I tell you, when the church of Jesus Christ, believers, True believers who are speaking and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the world will always want to cover your mouth. They always want to strike you where you speak. And that's serious. Because many who are not strong in the Lord are intimidated by that. But we need people who are like Paul. Who will stand for the Lord and boldly share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a world that wants to cover our mouths. But you're in good company if the world wants to shut you up. You're in good company because just like Paul was struck, Jesus himself was struck by sharing the truth. When Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin council himself, they asked Jesus who he claims to be. And Jesus says, ask those who have heard me and what I've said to them. Indeed, they know what I've said. In John chapter 18, verses 22 and 23, it says, And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? And that's the question that I would probably, you know, ask, you know, today. Why would the world want to shut christians up we live in a world you talk about jesus and love they don't want to hear it but meanwhile when another group who speaks in curse who speaks a language that speaks of hate it's promoted and glorified in the media even in in, in the movies They glorify that and they give them the freedom and the right to say whatever they want. That is their right. They could say whatever they want. They could be vocal about their life. They could be vocal about their stance and what they believe in. But when it comes to the Christian who's speaking about Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus and eternal life, they want to cover our mouths. You know, the Bible says, you know, woe to them that that calls good evil and evil good. We live in the world. That's where we live in today, without a doubt. We live in a world like that today, where the world, because this, this, this world is governed by the prince of the air. And they don't want to hear the truth. They want to cover your mouth. They want to cover your mouth. And just as Jesus answered the high priest, the apostle Paul answered the high priest, and what did Paul said when they struck him? He says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. Now, saints. This is not a license for us to start snapping at people. You know, there's nothing wrong with being to get angry. The Bible says it's not a sin to be angry, but it's a sin when you sin in your anger because of your anger. You're in the flesh. Here, Paul, I think what he's saying really needs it needs to be said. And I'm glad that the Bible, the scriptures is honest and giving us, it gives us an honest account of what happened. He, he stepped back to them and says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. He's pretty much doing exactly what Jesus said. What is a whitewashed wall? We'll get to that a little bit. But it's interesting to know that two years from this day, from this time when they struck Paul, two years from this day, that prophecy was fulfilled. The Lord did strike Ananias, the high priest. Again, Josephus, the historian, tells us that around the year AD 66, the Jews revolted against Rome. And they found Ananias, the high priest, hiding in the sewer. And they killed him. Two years from the time he struck Paul. So Paul is saying, God would strike you, you whitewashed wall. The phrase whitewashed wall accuses Ananias of hypocrisy. You see, in those days, that phrase, uh, everyone, knew, everyone knew what that phrase was because in those days when the worshipers, Jews from all over the world would come for the feast, when they come to the feast uh, for the for Passover, for the Feast of Pentecost, they would have to be ceremonially clean. And so making their way into Jerusalem, what they would do uh, just to give warning signs for the worshipers that they make their journey to the temple, they would actually take some kind of white paint and paint over the tombstones or gravesite areas so they won't walk over the gravesite or touch or rub against a tombstone. Because if they did, then they weren't ceremonially clean and they couldn't partake of the feast. And so that's the that's where the phrase came from, whitewash wall. What it means is that Paul is saying to Ananias, it's like a whitewash wall outwardly, You're a high priest. You seem to everyone to be a righteous and just man. You have the appearance of a religious man. Outwardly, you look great. And that's what I grew up from. I grew grew out of that. I I was part of a church where you had they they put these legalism rules where they tell you how to dress. You gotta dress holy. What's dressing holy? I don't get it. I feel bad for my wife. She couldn't wear pants. It was that. Women could not wear pants. And they had all kinds of rules. And I said, wow, where do you get that from? And meanwhile, they dress holy, you know, in a three-piece suit. Take a man. uh, The Antichrist will come in a three-piece suit. Who knows? You got men in three-piece suits that are running this country. And so we always look at the appearance of man. Oh, that person looks holy. How does a person? You know what's holy It's, you know, you get somebody with full of tattoos who loves Jesus. It's ministering to people, serving people, sharing the gospel. And you got a man in a three piece suit who's looking up and down at people. They look holy on the outside. Meanwhile, inside the dead bones, they stink, as Jesus says. So we don't judge people by appearance. That terminology, don't judge a book by its cover, is the truth. And so outwardly, he's a, he seems like a righteous and just man, but inwardly, he's corrupt and deteriorating. He stinks. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and said to them, Matthew 23, in Matthew 23, verses 27 to 29, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all a cleanliness, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. they look holy from the outside. you know even for us believers can can you know we listen to these words and you know let the Holy Spirit convict us. don't try to portray to be something you're not. Don't try to portray it to be something you're not. You know, trying to you act all Christian, you know, with your Christian friends, and then when you go to work, you're a totally different person. And that really breaks my heart when I hear that. Oh, that guy's a Christian. I don't know. He goes, really? He goes, I don't know. This is this is what he does? He goes, really? And it's sad. Don't be something you're not. Be honest. Don't be hypocrites. And that's what he's calling a whitewash wall. Paul had no tolerance for hypocrites. Jesus had no tolerance for hypocrites. I don't have tolerance for hypocrites, and neither should you. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is to be careful of who you listen to when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of false teachers out there. And that's come I have no problem exposing them and mentioning their names. I have no problem. Because Jesus did it. Paul did it. And he's, oh, we're Christians. We're both to be together. No, if there's someone sharing the gospel, yes, you know what? We encourage it. But if there is one who is actually misleading people, giving false doctrines, they need to be exposed. They need to be exposed. Jesus never, never rebuked the sinners. Jesus never called and yelled and rebuked sinners. He only did it with the Pharisees, and I believe he had a great time doing it because they're liars, they're hypocrites, they're whitewashed walls. So Paul said, for you sit and judge me according to the law, and you command me to be struck contrary to the law. You're contradicting yourself here. You're trying to judge me according to the law when you yourself are breaking the law. Why is that? You haven't given, heard my case, yet you punish me. I thought it was like innocent unto proven guilty. He was judged, already struck in the mouth. And verse 4 And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, I don't know if Paul was being sarcastic here. I don't know if he was a high priest. He sure ain't acting like one. Or could it be, this is what I believe. I believe the fact that Paul had, he had problems with his vision. He had a problem with his vision as far as seeing. Remember, he was blind for three days when he met the Lord and rode Damascus. This is that sickness when Paul uh, prays to the Lord, Lord, uh, remove this thorn from my flesh. I prayed for this three times. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. As a matter of fact, um, he was so loved by the people in Galatia that the saints in Galatia, the church, they were willing to pluck out their eyes for him. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul says, What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. They loved Paul. They probably say, you know, Paul, I love you, man. And, And, you know, I wish I had the zeal and had the calling you had. And man, I wish I could take out my eyes and give it to you. You need it more than I, because you don't know if somebody's going to give you a left hook or a right hook. You need a C. I'm the race.
0: We hope that today's edition of Running the Race has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Milford, Pennsylvania area, We want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on Running the Race are produced from the worship services at Calvary Chapel of Milford. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in church. Then please join us. We have services every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., as well as an in-depth midweek Bible study every Wednesday at 7 p.m. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to runningtheraceradio.com and then simply click on Service Times. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support Running the Race.
2: Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to RunningTheRaceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to
0: help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you. Please join us next time for another edition of Running the Race.